Again, good morning. And for those who are um, joining us from our virtual campus, good morning. For those who are tuning in the first time, I'm Pastor David Kufal, and you found new life. And new life is here in um, at 1021 South Center Street in Wapaton, North Dakota. And if you've got any questions or um, prayer requests, you can see right below me. You can see um, our website there. Go, just click on it. It'll take you right to our website. You can go there and email us. If uh, you don't want to go that route, you can write something in the comments there. Let us know that you have joined us for church. Send me a wave. And uh, uh, we're glad that you are here with us today. And we hope that you are blessed as you um, join us for this uh, message, this timely message this morning. Church, I'm going to be speaking to you the next five weeks about lifting up the only one who can save us. Can I make an interesting point? Joe Biden and Donald Trump can't save us. Amen? Amen? The only one who can save us is Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can save us. He is the one that we should lift up. Amen? So, as we get into this, we're going to be in John 12, 27 through 50, for the next five weeks. And I'm excited about this series, about lifting up Jesus. Lifting Him up higher and higher. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you and praise you that, Lord, you would make your word real to us. Lord, we're going to be looking right at your own words to us. And, Lord, we want to lift you up. We praise you, Lord, and we glorify you. For, Lord, you are the one who tells us how to build the church. In these uncertain times of COVID-19, Lord, Lord, do not allow fear to rule our lives. For Lord, the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. And Jesus, you are that perfect love. And if, Lord Jesus, because we asked you into our hearts, you dwell there, so fear cannot dwell in our hearts. You also said, Lord, that you want to give us a sound mind. And so we, not a spirit of confusion, but a sound mind. And Lord, we ask you for that through these days of uncertainty, Lord. We also pray for our country, Lord, that you would bring peace to our country. Lord, we know we're in the beginnings of the last days. We're in those birth pains that are happening. And Lord... We know that you told us in Matthew 24 and Luke 21 that days like this, and these things are happening all over the world, this unrest. But Lord, we thank you that you are in charge of our lives. You are in charge of our church. And Lord, we have decided that we're going to follow Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for your anointing and your presence here today. Help us to lift you up wherever we go. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, 
Amen and amen. Let's talk about the way, before we get into lifting up Jesus, let's remind ourselves about the way of salvation. And what we're going to um, be at this morning is in John chapter 3. Next week we'll get, actually get into John chapter 12. But as way of our introduction to this series, we're going to use Jesus' words in John chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 14 and 15. And talk about, we're going to start talking about in verse 14, the way of salvation. We need to establish that to understand why we need to lift up our Savior during this day. Can we all agree on that? So, the first thing you've got to need to know is Jesus had to be lifted up. Jesus had to be lifted up. You know, we got Christians today, they know Jesus died on the cross, but they're not sure about Him rising from the dead. Now, the powerful thing happened at the cross because that's where Jesus set us free. But the resurrection was Jesus coming out in victory. And we learned that last week. He was saying to Satan, you lost. If you put your faith in me, you will have victory in your life like you never thought you could have, is what Jesus says in the resurrection. But the work, the battle was won. The war was won on the cross for you and me. So Jesus says in verse 14 of chapter 3 of John, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, let's talk about that old serpent. The serpent represents Satan, the originator of sin. Okay? The children of Israel sin <clears throat> with their constant complaining as they traveled with Moses in the wilderness. Oh, I don't know how Moses did it. No wonder he lost his temper with them at times. It would have been hard to pastor God's people in the wilderness because all they did was whine and complain. Oh, you're taking us out here. It's manna every day, every meal. Manna, manna, manna. Oh my word, complain, complain, complain. It was sweet stuff. Bodhi would have loved it. It was sweet stuff. It wasn't leeks and onions. They weren't being whipped daily by the oppressors. They were free to serve God and to worship Him. And you know what? If they had gone in and took the land, they wouldn't have had to eat manna for 40 years. It's their own fault that they had to do that. Because they disobeyed God when they were told, "Go, all right, go take the land. And the, the bad spies come back and talked about the giants were like grasshoppers in their sight. But Joshua and Caleb comes back and says, but our God can defeat them. And they rather listen to the woe is me people. You know, don't be someone that's always seen the glass half empty. 
Woe is me, everything is wrong. Why, why, why? That's what the children of Israel was like. And if they had just taken the land, they could have eaten the good of the land like they did when they finally came in 40 years later. But they sinned, didn't they? So they're out there and they're complaining again. Why can't we have meat? Why can't we have good stuff? Why do we have... So God sent poisonous serpents into the camp to bite them. He got tired of it. You think Moses was tired of it? God got tired of it. And these serpents came in and they started biting them. And people started dying because they were poisonous snakes. Then God told Moses to do a curious thing. He said to him, make a bronze serpent. You see, it represented their sin. But then he said something curious. Put it on a staff and anyone who looks at it would be healed. Did you ever notice that the doctor's emblem has a serpent going around it? That's the bronze serpent from this story. They took that as a healing thing because if you looked at the bronze serpent lifted up, you would instantly be healed. You see, God was saying, are you going to be a people of faith or are you just going to be a bunch of complainers? The very thing that represented sin, he had him make into the bronze serpent. And if you looked at the thing, you see, God changed the meaning of that thing. You know, it was so sacred to the folks that they put it in the temple. Did you know that? It wasn't until years later after it was sitting in the temple when they started worshiping it, then God told the prophet to go into the temple and destroy it. You see, when you start worshiping things the way they're not supposed to be, God wants, God's going to tell you, hey, get that thing. If you're not worshiping me and you're worshiping something else, get rid of it. Stop worshiping it. Stop worshiping this culture. Stop worshiping Hollywood. Stop worshiping the music industry. Worship Jesus. Get your eyes upon Him as we had that message this morning from the Holy Spirit. But it was also pointing that Jesus had to be lifted up on the cross for our healing because He could take the sin and wipe it out. Jesus had to be lifted up on the cross, which alone could defeat Satan and sin. So put your, but you must put your faith in Christ and what he did for you on the cross. Can you say amen? You see, Jesus defeated sin, Jesus defeated Satan, Jesus defeated death for you. Jesus defeated the grave. We don't have to worry about it. When I worked at St. Francis all those years, I could always tell if the person died was going to heaven or not. Well, how is that? By the way their family grieved. Each person was loved. Each person was cared for. Each person was... They, they, they didn't want to see them leave this earth. But the ones who knew that their loved one was saved and going to heaven were the ones, even though they were sad, they rejoiced in the Lord for their loved one. 
And their sadness was not as deep as those who did not know where their loved one was going. I'll tell you what, you've never heard wailing so deep when you don't know where your loved one is going to end up. But for the Christian, we have hope. And because of that hope, we know that death is not final. We know it's just saying, so long for now, I'll see you again. We're sad. My word, my mom passed away in May. You know? But I know I'm going to see her again. I know she's not resting there in the cemetery. I know where she is. And boy, oh boy, she is happy to be where she is at. Right? I am so glad that Pastor Dan got to somebody else we know. Oh, he didn't live the most perfect life. He didn't go to church all the time. I mean, and he told me why. I can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> he would yell at his wife thinking he was talking plainly. <laughs> and she would say, will you knock it off? But he did something one day that secured his place in heaven. He asked Jesus Christ into his heart. See, that's all it takes. You ask Jesus Christ into your heart. You don't have to be perfect because He is perfect for us. Amen? So what do we need to do as Christians? This is going to be a theme you're going to see over and over and over again for the next five weeks. And the reason why I'm having it done over and over again is because if it becomes real in your life, it will change the way you do things. I won't have to talk to you about make sure you vote this way or that. Make sure you vote your faith. Because if you do this here, I won't have to tell you anything. What is it? Well, let's look at it because you at home don't see it. Folks here, at the, see this is the reason why if you live in Wapen and Breck, you should come out to our campus. One, you get in on all of our worship. Oh my word, we had fun worshiping the Lord today. In fact, we had so much fun because of the word from the Holy Spirit, we actually ended up adding another song this morning. And we can't wait for the rapture of the church, amen? amen. But what do we need to do while we're waiting on Jesus? Well, first thing we need to do is we need to lift up Jesus in everything. I mean everything we do. Jesus is not just for Sunday mornings, Wednesday night, and Thursday night. Jesus is for every day, 24-7, every day of the week, in every hour, every minute, every second of your life. So in everything you do, lift up Jesus. Well, Bodhi could say, well, how did you and mom having to move furniture and vacuum yesterday? How was that? But we weren't complaining. We weren't griping. We just needed to get it done. You see, there's some people who have to do housework and they just moan and groan before they do it. I was working on the sermon Friday still when Lorraine came home from work. So I was busy in the office. Bodie was now bugging her instead of me. And so um, 
she decided to go outside and do yard work. Now, if you know my wife, that is not her favorite thing to do. But she went out there, and you know what? I never heard a complaint, a moan, and a groan. In fact, when I came out to find her and see what she was up to, she had a big smile on her face. Why? Because in everything we do, we should be lifting up Jesus, and it should be reflected in our attitudes. Can you say amen? Uh, Norman Vincent Peale, which I'm not a fan of, used to say, don't get around negative people. Christians should be positive. Positive. You know why Doubting Thomas is given such a bad name in the Bible? Well, because he doubted the Lord. No, he was a pessimist. Out of all the disciples, he was the number one pessimist about the group. Can we talk about him for a moment? Jesus, Jesus was going to go down to see Lazarus and, and, and the other disciples say, Jesus, we can't go down to Judea. Um, they're planning on killing you. And Jesus insisted that they must go. So what does Thomas say? Look it up. You'll see it. It's true. He says, well, he's insisting. I'm, now I'm giving you a light paraphrase here. He's insisting for us to go, so let's all go and we'll all die together. That was Thomas. <clears throat> you know, I mean, if somebody, the, the most positive person would have said, let's go because Jesus is going to protect us anyway, Right? Right? No, Thomas was just that way. And because he was such a pessimist, he couldn't believe Jesus rose from the dead. Our faith, number two, almost sounds like the first thing, but if you think about it, it's a little different. Our faith in Jesus should affect everything we do. See, most Christians can say, yeah, to number one. <clears throat> but number two, they don't do it. Our faith in Jesus should affect everything we do. There's some folks that I love. I look at some of their posts on Facebook and I'm going, wait a second, our, our faith should affect... And, and I've even said to myself, what am I doing on my social media account? Our faith in Jesus should affect everything we do. Come on. Think about it. The way you vote. The things you support. The things that you do. Your faith in Jesus should affect you. We have a debate going on with some of our young ministers in the Church of God about drinking. You know what? If our faith would affect us, it would affect us in our view of drinking as well. I couldn't believe it one day. They put out a picture of a great preacher of the gospel in our country. And he was talking on drinking. The, the meme was all about his view of drinking. And he was wearing what he thinks is one of his good suits. It's green and it's plaid and it's three-piece with his nice tie. Now, he, his wife thinks he is handsome in that outfit. And I had a bunch of young ministers 
couldn't believe it. How many people is he, is he affecting for Jesus Christ wearing a suit like that? Because they didn't really like what he said, but they couldn't refute it. How many people? And I wanted to scream at them. He pastors a mega church, pastor. He preaches all over the world, pastor. How many people have you gotten saved, Pastor, compared to how many he's led to the Lord Jesus Christ? How many have people have you seen filled with the Holy Spirit compared to how many people he's seen filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'll tell you the difference, Pastor. It's because it doesn't matter what he's really wearing that I'm not into green. I agree with him that green suit is not my thing. Green checked suit. I haven't worn a three-piece suit since the 80s. That was a big thing in the 80s, you know. You put your vest on, you put your jacket on, had that nice crisp tie just done right, and you went out there going, I represent Jesus today. And you know, sometimes we need to get back to some of those things. There's times I now would love just to wear a vest to church instead of a jacket. You go, well, why don't you? Because it's hard to find a vest in my size. <laughs> of course, maybe I should go to the... Um, boot store up in Fargo and I could just get a nice leather j vest. You know. Hey, I do pastor in the north central region. Now, this is the west. Now, if I walk in with a 10-gallon hat, you'll be going, oh, pastor, come on. Now you've got this. You are on the border of Minnesota now. <clears throat> we have... Uh, we have a few pastors who pass throughout Montana and they got cowboy hats. And they look sharp in them. But our faith in Jesus should affect everything we do. Remember, we pray. We learn. We go together in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we'd actually do all those things if we do those other two things. We would be concerned about praying. I'm glad that our prayer, our, our prayer meeting is growing with people. You know, we have more people tune in on a prayer evening on Facebook than we do that are usually inside the church. The only thing the Facebook folks miss out on is our singing and our praying time. And listen, folks, if we would do these things, we will succeed if we lift Jesus higher. I know we've all been concerned about church growth with COVID. I just bought, um, Lorraine actually bought it for me, a book I wanted to get a hold of on the church after COVID-19 written by a respected church growth expert. I want to see some of the things he's seeing. So far, I'm not agreeing with a few things that he's already put out on Facebook, on, uh, in my emails I get from him. But I want to read what's behind these things to understand the thinking of Americans. But I decided, I decided we were going to go ahead and grow our church according to the way Jesus' plan for church growth would be. 
we need to return to this because so, so many years, and this is something this, this uh, author that I have his book on, I haven't started reading it, but the emails I've got, so many years we've gotten caught up in psychiatry so, to grow the church. So many years we have gotten caught up in a business plan to grow the church. Hey folks, how about we do the biblical plan to grow the church? Oh, it's more daunting. It takes a little more work. But all we have to do is lift Jesus higher and He will draw all men to Himself. Why did this have to happen? Why did Jesus need to be lifted up? Verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is because of God's great love for you Jesus was lifted up. God gave up His only begotten Son to the cross. For that is what it, what it took to redeem humanity. Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, but He went willingly. God, our Heavenly Father, wants a relationship with you. So Jesus had to be lifted up. And God the Father made it possible. And all you have to do is believe in what Jesus did for you and ask Jesus into your heart. Believe in Jesus and what He did at the cross for you. Believe in Jesus that He rose from the grave. That's it. That's all it takes to become a Christ follower. Folks, I'm just going to let folks know what all of you know is new life, is the church of the whosoever will. If you love Jesus and you want to get saved or you've gotten saved, and it doesn't matter what you look like, you can look funny. You can look handsome. You can be tall or short. You can be plump or skinny. Whosoever will, the Bible says. And by the way, we don't judge you according to the color of your skin because I'll tell you what, if you are born again, you are my brother and sister in Christ and the same blood flows in you flows in me because we all bleed red. And if, you're, if you are a child of God, just like I'm a child of God, we are related, we are kin, and we ought to love one another. Amen? So let us help people believe in Jesus. By the way, the church of whosoever will for all those out there, if you've been wanting to play piano for your in church and nobody will let you play piano in church, hey, we need a piano player. <clears throat> if you've been wanting to play guitar and nobody will let you play guitar, we need a guitar player. We need a drummer. We need what? If you want to come and play a fiddle for us, We'd be happy to have you. If you want to use your talent that God has given to you for Him, we would love to have you. Does that mean you got to be perfect? No. All you got to be is saved. Amen? And we'll, we'll let you make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Well, Pastor, I, 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 <clears throat> they say I don't play too good. Well, my, 
one of my piano players when I first started preaching. I didn't know he could play. He played the banjo every week. And then I found out he could play the, the piano. Because our piano play, I had five piano players and they couldn't always be there because those women were married to preachers. And sometimes they had to be gone. And so I found out Sheldon could play the piano. He was hiding that gift. So I made him get on the piano one week. Now you've got to understand, Sheldon had the most gnarled fingers in the whole wide world, but God used him wonderfully. He knew the move of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, you've never sang Amazing Grace until you heard it on the banjo. He played the banjo with a piano player. He got on there, and once in a while, because his, his knuckles were so gnarled, he hit the most clunkiest note. But you know what he made up for it? You see, you don't have to be perfect. All we think is, Christians, we need to be polished and perfect all the time. No, you need to know the move of the Holy Spirit. A lot of times as a young preacher, I'd be leading singing, and, and, and I would, he, we would change the order of worship and go to a different song. Neither one of us had to say anything. to. He was, an old, he was an old saint of God, my prayer partner, the man who prayed for me daily, he and his wife. And, and we could just look at each other, and by the Holy Spirit, he knew what song we were going to. And there was times that man would get so filled with the Holy Spirit, he'd get up from the piano bench, dance across with that one good lake he had, he had, the other one was wooden. And he danced across the front of the church, danced back to the piano, sit back down, and not miss a beat. He knew exactly where his fingers were supposed to go. I'll tell you what, I'd rather have somebody who knows the Holy Spirit, who wants to do something for God because they, want, they love God, than the most polished concert pianist in the world. How about you? Amen? Because you know what? We can always get better. We can always get better, can't right? We can always get better. We can always improve. And so if somebody's a little clunky in the beginning, they will improve over time, won't they? And boy, oh boy, what a joyful thing we can do is grow together in Jesus Christ. Amen? So let us help people, new life. Let us help people to believe in Jesus. Verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. The object of Christ's mission was to save. This mission has not changed. It should be the mission of every Christian today. So, what do you think of when you see somebody walk into the place that you're at with a bunch of piercings on their face? Do you just see their piercings or do you see past their piercings and see their soul? Do you see somebody who needs Jesus? Or do you just see, see a person that you want to say ouch to? Well, there's that, that Geico commercial. Have you seen it? Where, 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 where they have a, a mentor going with these people who've turned into their parents. And he's trying to teach them not to act like their parents. And so <clears throat> they go to the home center. And uh, he's helping them not be like their parents. And they're standing there watching people. And, and all of a sudden, this guy walks past with blue hair. And he goes, 
stop looking. The mentor says, stop looking. Yes, we all saw it. Stop looking. And one of the guys just can't help himself. He has to turn to look. <clears throat> is that all we see is their blue hair? Anybody who hangs out with us at New Life, sometimes we end up with somebody with blue hair, green hair, purple hair. Now it's red hair. You never know what kind of hair it's going to be. But, you know, we, look, we've, we don't notice the hair so much as the person. Amen? The mission of the church should be to get people saved and make disciples. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. Jesus did not come to condemn us, but we condemn ourselves when we reject Him. Jesus is the only way... Jesus is the only salvation for the world. There is no other. Can you say amen? <clears throat> this is why as Christians we need to lift Him up because there is no other way of salvation. How do we act? How do we act? Are we lifting up Jesus in everything we do? Is our faith in Jesus affecting everything we do? Or do we judge others when Jesus says, don't judge them, get them saved? Do you think we would see the rioting in the streets if we got the people that caused the rioting and the people who are rioting saved? You think if they were all Christians, the ones who caused the riots? Because the people who are rioting say, well, they caused the riots. So let's take it out. Don't, don't even, I, we're not even going to look at if the person who caused it was right, wrong, or indifferent. The people who are rioting, their opinion is they caused the riots. And the people who are rioting, the people who aren't rioting are saying, their opinion is they're wrong in the writing. Well, we know where we, we feel about that. But can you imagine if somebody had gotten a hold of all of them early on and every single one of them would have came to the Lord Jesus Christ and got saved? Would any of this stuff been... And, and even the victims that died because we know they weren't saints, if they all somebody had gotten to them when they were young... And, that's why Iwan is important. While they were young, poor George Floyd. He struggled so much in his life. He went to prison. He asked Jesus into his heart, but he was still struggling. Can you imagine if somebody had gotten hold of him when he was a child so he would never have taken that first drug, that first sip of alcohol, and he would have never become addicted? He would have never got spiraled down to the place where he had to go to prison and meet Jesus because he already met him as a child. He could have avoided all that and he'd still be walking around today. Amen? Can you imagine if somebody had got... I don't know the officer. I, I don't know him. I don't know where his life is. I know about George Floyd because we've gotten all the history about George Floyd. But can you imagine if that officer was doing everything in his power to reflect Jesus even on the job? <clears throat> and can you imagine of all these people who are upset and angry and yelling and screaming and burning and looting if they had gotten saved as children? What would their response look like? 
Because I'll tell you what, every church member in America, every born-again person in America was so upset about what happened to Mr. Floyd. Right? But can you imagine if the church would be the church and see past the nonsense and would vote our faith? And if the church would see past the nonsense, and let Jesus affect everything we do. And we would lift up Jesus in everything we do. How our world would be better. And can you imagine if every church member, every Christian, every Christ follower in America would humble themselves and fall on their knees and turn from their wicked ways and repent. How God could heal our land? This week, Franklin Graham and Jonathan Kahn are going to be leading prayer vigils in Washington, D.C. Jonathan Kahn calls it the return. You can go on Christian television you can actually go on the website. You can join them because most of us can't travel to Washington, D.C. Um, to be there. But you can join them online and on Christian television and you can join in praying for our nation. And they're starting with the church needs to come back to this. Believing the Word of God from cover to cover and repenting and humbling ourselves. Because I'll tell you why. Because the church hasn't been so steadfast here. We haven't been doing the work that the Bible teaches us. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in the world. You see, judgment starts at the house of the, house of the Lord. And unless we change and we start lifting up Jesus... We're not going to see a change for a better in our country, no matter who gets in the White House. But you better pray. All of this that we talked about today refers to Christ and what He did at the cross to redeem humanity. Salvation is never by works but rather salvation is by grace through faith with the cross ever the object of that faith, meaning the work of the cross. Amen? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank You, we praise You, we glorify Your name. Lord, help us. Help us to lift You up each and every day. Help us to lift You up in every thing we do and Lord help us Jesus that you affect every affect everything in our life so that we reflect you Lord help us to be praying for those who live around us help us to remember them as we pray help us Lord to share the gospel with someone to make disciples Lord Jesus we love you and we praise you, Lord. And we pray for each one that has joined us at our, on our virtual campus, Lord. 
We ask you, Lord, that you would touch them and use them in Jesus' mighty name. That, Lord, they too can be a reflection of you, Jesus, so that we can see the body of Christ grow because people are coming to know you. For, Lord, our nation is in trouble. Our nation is hurting. Our nation is being torn apart because of hate. Lord, only you can bring healing. And Lord, help us as Christians to share your gospel, the only thing that will bring peace and answers to this hurting, hurting world. Lord Jesus, we know you're coming soon. We can't wait. But until then, help us be busy lifting you up higher and higher and higher in Jesus' name. Now, if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart there at home or wherever you're at, what are you waiting for? The rapture of the church could happen any time, and if you don't know what that is, we'll help you learn. Jesus is coming back again. Are you going to be ready when He does? If you die today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? That's the choice you have. Jesus died for you so that you can go to heaven and spend eternity with Him. Oh, don't put it off any longer. Jesus died for you so you could have a relationship with Him. He loves you. He cares about you. Ask Jesus in your heart. And if you want to do that, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Lord, I surrender to You. Forgive me of all my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for me. And thank you because of your resurrection. I can have victory in my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer um, and believe in who you're praying to, Jesus Christ, well, you've become born again, as the Bible would say. And I want you to start reading the book of John and tell three people what you did today. Let them celebrate with you. And I bet you've got a grandma that would love to hear that you gave your heart to Jesus today. Amen. We're so glad you joined us. Hey, join us on Thursday at 6.30. We would love to see you then. Um, in the meantime, please um, contact us either by going to our webpage or just if you're on Facebook today, um, just send us a little note and uh, we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. We're praying for you, and hopefully you've been praying for us. Amen.